you start off from scratch, like you don't have no places, no nothing, you just move to Atlanta. Like the first like month, what are you doing? Close mouth don't get fed. The minute you saying, I want to be a producer, that means you're a salesman. You know what I'm saying? And I've seen some people try to force it for years and still don't got the household name. So what are like turnoffs? That's like, bro, hell nah, block, you out of here. One producer told me that there was a particular record that he did and they cleared the record, but they wanted 100% of the record. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. It's your boy TB. Today we got JB. And then we got long overdue interview. I ain't gonna cap. We supposed to be not this one out, but we got Fuse at 808 Mafia. What's going on, my brothers? What's up with you, bro? Everything blessed. Happy to be here. Yeah, yeah, bro. Long overdues. That's for sure. Okay, bro. You got a hard ass. I'm talking about track list lineup, bro. We got Big Sean Move, Hello Future, and Young Thug, Rapid Records, uh, Group Home, Real Love, Zoom for the Game, Cowboy, G Herbo, Moneybag, Logic, Rick Ross, probably my favorite one from you for real. Lil Dirt, Meek Mill. Let's, let's start from the beginning. Like, where you from? How you got started making beats and stuff like that? So, originally from New York. I was born and raised in the Bronx and also in Roosevelt, Long Island. Um, pretty much, I'll say, I was always into music my whole life, but I would say in my days of like being in Long Island, like, like when my mother lived at, um, I was I hung around a lot of producers. I was into doing music, but it wasn't producing. You know what I mean? I was just like, you know, rapping, freestyling, battle rapping, you know, New York shit. It really not even taking it serious, just doing it. But like I said, because I was into rapping, I just hung around producers. And that's pretty much like, you know, watching them make beats all the time, kind of felt like, oh, I could do that too. See, that's me. I'm Mr. Like, oh, I could do that too. So just watching them make beats, like, well, I got to try that out. So that's all it really was. So what you started out on, FL, MPC? Nah, on the MPC, uh, my boy, uh, Biz Beats, I would say uh, he had a, damn, I'm trying to think, what was it? I don't know if he had the 5,000. The 5,000, around the time the 5,000 came out, he had others before that. But whenever the MPC 5,000 came out, I remember, like, we both looked at it like it was a Porsche, you know what I'm saying? Like, just the shape of it, the aesthetic of it, and just the workflow. He just made it look real easy. So that I remember there'll be times, like, I'd be in a room with him, and he would just get up from the MP, you know, probably just go check on his kids or run to the store real quick and just leave me right there. And I'd just be staring at it like, man, start hitting the pads. Like, all right, let's see, you know what I mean? Just watching what he did over there trying to emulate it, you know what I'm saying? So I would say him and... That's where I started with. But then my homeboy Zay, uh, he worked on Reason. So he kind of like schooled me how to use Reason. I used to nag him like, yo, teach me how to use Reason. Teach me how to use Reason. And then one day he just gave me a laptop. He was like, yo, yo, listen, this is do this. And then I just pretty much trial and error, just trying it every day. So you went from NPC to Reason, yeah. then the FS Studio? I mean, I went from MPC to Reason, Reason to Logic. How I got to Logic is like I was telling bro earlier when I first got here um, that I stayed in Virginia, in uh, Petersburg for like a couple months. And out there, um, me and my brother Nick, we was trying to like open up a studio, start a studio, something like that, and my boy uh, C Slash. And um, all I know is that we had a computer there, we had a piano, we had all of that, but we didn't have like no doors to really work with except Logic. That was the only thing on the computer. So I was forced to use Logic and learn how to use Logic. So, I mean, I think everything happens for a reason. So I got to learn how to use Logic. And then after Logic, I used to incorporate 
like I would make my melodies and logic, export them, and then manipulate them in reason and do my drums in reason. And then I was just on that until I crossed over to FL. So from like you being from New York, I already know like sampling is huge for you, you feel me? So like what was your like your inspirations? I grew up, I was a big fan of like Wu Tang, you know what I mean? Mob Deep. Um, so of course Reza was Wu Tang producer and Mob Deep had Havoc, um, Alchemist and stuff like that. Um, of course Jay Dilla. I think that's like any samplers, like OG right there. Looked up to some Jay Dilla. Uh, Q-Tip, of course Kanye, of course, Just Blazes, and uh, Bink. You know I mean? There was a lot of people who just knew how to just chop those samples up, make it fire. So I had a lot of inspiration, but if I had to just pick one, I would just say more like Jay Dilla at the top. And the only reason I say that is because he just did things differently. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you could actually, like, try to dissect some of the stuff he did and you'd be like, how? You know what I mean? But other, as to other producers, you could listen to a record that they might have sampled. You'd be like, oh, that's the piece they use. Oh, that's how they piece that together. But some Jay Dilla stuff, I'd be like, how did he piece that together? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I still don't get it. You know what I mean? Like, taking s- different records, samples from different records, pieces, and making it one beat. Like, I didn't, I never did all that. It's just, you know, grab a loop. Add your drums. He's taking drums from other records, and he's he was just different with it, yeah. It's all totally different. It's just a loop now. I mean, it's still a form of sampling, but do you feel like sampling now is kind of like a dying art low-key? Or, like, even though loops are still, like, if you get a loop and, you know, put drums on it, like, I guess it's still sampling, like, the original form where you chopping up a sample using vinyls, you feel like that's dying? Um, Not really, because there's a lot of producers that still do it. So I'm, like, in the middle of, like, the young and the older, so the older crowd of producers that I know, they all still sample. They still like adamant on using records. They don't even want to get us a, a loop from a up and coming producer or anything like that. And I know like for the younger generation, it's more like microwave, you know what I mean? Yo, send me the loop, I'm gonna add this to it, boom, it's done, you know what I mean? So I kind of like it the way it is now, you know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, when you sample in a record, it's still the kind of the same, but it's like when you sample in a record from somebody, it's like it's going through so many channels of getting cleared. You know what I mean? And it's just like some people might not even want to clear it. Now you got to go through the whole remake or they might have to pull the record. When you're dealing with somebody who created a sample and y'all got a relationship, you know what I mean? I think the business is just a little bit easier. Um, now, as for it, do I feel like it's watered down? Not really. Um, I just don't. Me, this is just a personal thing when it comes to sampling. I just, I'm not into the whole loop, just loop it and then add the drums. I kind of like chops, you know what I mean? When you take pieces from the record and manipulate it and make it something. I think any, I literally anybody could just loop, you know what I mean? Records, like DJs were doing that. Like just catch a loop and just have it loop. Like, I feel like anybody could do that. And ain't nothing wrong with people who do that. Like I don't knock. Literally nobody. I did it. You know what I'm saying? But I just didn't feel as creative when I did it. That's all. But when you have a loop that somebody gives to you now and you just add drums to it, it's kind of like the same thing, right? But I just feel like it's a composition that somebody created that the world necessarily doesn't have access to. You know what I'm saying? So 
usually when a record is placed off of a loop and somebody who add drums to it, it's more or less like the first time you're gonna hear that unless, you know, that loop maker sent that rec that loop out to other producers and it gets placed in their version. But it usually comes off like one-offs opposed to, you know, somebody saying, oh, I know a record he used and they could go to that record and sample it too. It's kind of crazy because like, bro, think about, y'all just think about five, 10 years ago when if a producer sat down with a pianist, you know what I'm saying, and they went and they made a melody, and if we went and we went to purity, changed it to a pad, and had that pianist do a pad melody on top of that, and then we came behind them, we added the drums, how's that different than getting a loop, than somebody making a loop or sending it to you? How, like, how, how much, how, how different is that? Well, when you're actually in the room collectively creating it, opposed to somebody sending it to you? I mean, even like back then, if the pianist, just play it and send it to you. Like, it'd be the same thing. I just feel like it's a lot. No, I feel like it's a difference. Like, it's a difference. It's a difference, though. Cause when you got a loop, bro, it's like, it's not all loops, though, but I'm just saying, like, a sample, like, oh, you got that vinyl feel, you feel me? It's like different feels you get with it. Like, that True. instrumental True. feel, you feel me? Like, I feel like that's why, like, Frank Duke samples popped off the way they did. It's they, about what you're looking for. Oh, you talking about like uh, using real analog samples? Yeah, cause they feel like samples. Yeah. Like if you listen to it, if you ain't look at the name of it, but you just listen to it, you be like, damn, what record this is? Oh, time. It's just a digital, digital sample, digital samples and analog samples. Like fuck the digital. Ones. I ain't saying that. I'm just saying like it's that feel though. It's just a different sound. Like you said, it's a feel, it's a sound. Like you know, there's a little oh, clearly there's a difference between analog yeah, and digital. He's really making that shit like VSTs are digital, so it's really. But you, you can still do but it. But certain sure. VSTs be trying to like emulate analog, if you get what I'm saying. Like, let's just say, look, like hypothetically, there's a record you might sample, and it might have like that static grit to it. You know, what I mean, now there's like you could take that same sample you created and throw it through like a certain VST and it's gonna give you give off that same grit as if you got it off a record. Like they have certain things like that, but I I feel like, you know, keep it authentic. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're just gonna sample some shit, sample it. If you wanna not sample and just use a loop, use a loop. You know what I mean? Like do do what's easier for you, what's best for you. So are you like collaborating with producers heavy when it comes to like them sending you melodies and stuff? Yeah, I've been doing that since way back. I've been doing that since before it was cool. You know what I'm saying? Like, it just be like, I remember I'd just be in the studio, like, and you know, I had like dudes that used to play piano and melodies and stuff like that. And it'll be like, they might not have the best drum work. I always prided myself on my drums. I grew up playing drums. So it was just like, I always just prided myself on drums. But I'd be like, you should let me do the drums to that. You know what I mean? They were like, all right, you know what I mean? Then by me doing that, they'll be like, damn, he did something I wouldn't I wouldn't have thought of doing. So it'll just turn into that. And plus like these melodies they be coming up with, I wouldn't think of it. So that's how it just be starting like, cool. And then like, gotta think like now, this is really like, do people still do paid collabs? Hell yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. They do? People live out them shit. Oh, uh, for real? All right. So the only reason I was just asked because you know, there was a point in time where it was like, to collab with somebody, you had to pay for that. You know what I'm saying? But now we're in the world where it's like, oh, I got loops. What's your email? You send it to that, and next thing you know, you're collabing with a producer without having to pay for it, which is like, damn, the game kind of changed, and I've seen it happen. But it's really up to like the producer's discretion. 
You know what I mean? Some producers are like, oh, I'm not using nobody's sample. Like, really, how it really go, like, a lot of producers nowadays got their own sample makers. They got people signed to them, you know what I mean, that they getting exclusive loops from because there's been so many situations where we don't know because we're not the sample makers, some of us, you know what I mean? So if you give us a pack of samples or a pack of, that, you know what I mean, melodies, we don't know you're giving it to other producers. I mean, you know what I mean? At least not the same ones in that pack. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes you got to think, like, if you give me a loop and, you know, let's just say Airway Mafia is a group. You know what I'm saying? You create melodies. You give one, you give a pack to Fuse. Then you give a pack to Trey Pounds. Then you give a pack to Southside. You give a pack to TM. We're all, we all like these melodies. It's not like we're all together every day. Like, oh, you got those same melodies? No, we all separate and we're all making beats to these melodies and then we're, all working with the same artists. You know what I mean? So Future's like, yo, I'm in the studio, I need some beats. And I'm like, oh, I'm gonna send this joint that J me and JB did. And then Southside like, I'm gonna send this joint me and JB did. It might turn out to be the same loop. So it kind of makes us look stupid. You know what I mean? And I, and I get it like in the sense of like sampling. Like anybody could just sample the same record, right? And just get it from multiple producers, same sample, it's gonna sound different. But the difference is, like I say, when people send you melodies, there's not much manipulation being done. It's just add the drums to it. So you just kind of getting the same melody, different drums. And if you're getting it from the same group of producers, the drums are not gonna be too far off. They probably gonna sound similar. So in that, in those instances, it's just smarter for people like us to sign producers and be like, yo, listen make sure these are exclusive for us. And you know what I mean? And that's, I feel like it's better like that. But when it comes to like paying for the collabs, I feel like a lot of producers, like I said, will just close that door and be like, well, I'm not gonna work with you unless, you know, you pay this. Because so much opportunity comes from working with certain producers through collabs. So that's why when I was like charging people for collabs, I already knew what it was. I already knew I had the connects. I already knew I was going to be changing certain people's lives. You know what I'm saying? So I felt like there was no wrong in them paying for it. But I feel like it's just a little bit easier now because the loop game is so saturated that people are just sending it and people are just working with people. So that's why I actually like, are people still doing that? But I guess people are. I feel like that shit underrated now, though. And now it's like, okay, everybody's sending loop. So it's like, you probably get hella loop emails, but how many like people do you hit up? Like, hey, I got a band for a collab. You know what I'm saying? That's crazy. That's that, underrated. That, it really de- that really devalued that. What? Everybody just sent it. Cause I don't think it do. Because producers literally, they say, like, bro, I'm this is real vocabulary of producers. And I've heard this multiple times. Hey, bro, let's collab. This is how much it costs to collab. Bro, I, th- I thought we were just going to collab and make money off of it. What do you mean you thought? Yeah. What are you thinking about? So it's like, I feel like the, the loose being sent around is... Xing out the fact that somebody even has a brand or has the relationships and has the A and R's under them is X's all that out. It's like, I don't care what you got, what business you got set up, use that. Make me rich. I feel like this devaluing. No disrespect to the loop creators. I know that's exactly how it sounds, but that type of interaction is devaluing producers itself. Literally. Mm-hmm. See, I wasn't saying that. I was just saying like as far as like collabs, even <laughs> I'm saying as far as like collabs, like everybody sending out collabs is a quick way to stand out is hey. You know, Fuse, I, I fuck with you. Let me, I got a yeah. thousand. Let's, let's get yeah. a collab in. That's you'll probably respond yeah. to that more than you'll respond to yeah. screen recording of a loop. You feel me? That's yeah, what I'm saying. absolutely. But I just feel like there's more of a response. Like if somebody pays me for a collab yeah. and 
you know, I don't look at it as a jug just to get money. I look at it like, all right, this person paid me for opportunity. So I always make sure those are in the circuit of the beats that I send out, opposed to just random, you know, loops that I get and just make beats to them, just throw it to the side. And if I happen to play it, I happen to play it. But I feel like there's a little bit more of a responsibility on my end. Like I said, this is just how I operate. You know what I mean? Like when people pay me for something, I feel like I got to hold up my end. That's just me. So what are you looking for, like, in samples? When you're listening to samples and loops, like, what are you listening for? Something different, man. I always look for, like, I, so, I love music. Like, I'm a, a fan of music. I am a listener of music. So it's no different from listening to the radio or somebody just, you know, being in the car with somebody and you listening to something you never heard. When something hits you, when something grabs you, you be like, what's that? Yo, what song is this? You know what I mean? So... Those are the kind of samples I look for that just grab my attention, you know what I mean, like immediately. And then I have my modes where if I'm working on a certain artist project, then I'm definitely looking for a certain type of sound in the samples that I work with. Like if I'm working on R&B, I'm looking for R&B type stuff opposed to just, you know, trap or just erratic sounds that people put together. But I love when it's orchestrated. Um, like pianos, guitars, you know, live sounds. I love stuff like that. Clean mix on it, you know. I love like when it's arranged. <laughs> yeah, when they yeah, like or you don't even have to be arranged into how they feel like it should be, but you know, just where you could just arrange it yourself. They give you the option opposed to just one loop with all the sounds playing. You were like, damn, I wish I could take this one sound out. So when they give you the option, it's like, oh, all right, cool. This is, yeah. You know, they'll send it to you with every sound just by itself. So, so what are like turnoffs? That's like, bruh, yeah, nah, block, go out of here. <sighs> Man. <laughs> go ahead and get to it. Telling me how fire you are. <laughs> I don't know how to respond to that. It's like, you're telling me how fire you are. It's cool, but. Like, some people think they're better than what they are. And that's just a real thing. Small level and high level. So I just feel like just send, I mean, send your stuff. That's it. I mean, I leave my email there for a reason. It's right there on my profile, on my IG. Just send it. I'm going to check it. If, trust me, if it's crazy, if it's fire, it's just like anybody else. I'm going to reach out. I'm going to hit you up. You don't got to convince me. You don't got to tell me, like, Yo, my stuff is fire. Yo, please, yo, download that pack. I'm telling you, the whole pack is crazy. It's movies. Like, I'll get to it when I get to it, dog. If it's movies, I'll trust me. I'm gonna hit you up. I'm like, yo, you sent me some movies. That's it. Like, you don't gotta sit there and just try to force me to check your stuff out. So getting back to like sampling, I seen you posted on Twitter. Oh, you was like, hey, you saw your splits on the sample record. You ain't never sampling again. <laughs> yo, <laughs> Talk about that. Man, it's crazy. Um, I don't gotta get into what record it is, but it was just like. The thing is this, like, I sample records before, but I guess the ones that I had placed in my history, they just were like mixtapes. So you don't go through the channels of actually having to clear it or go through the label or anything like that. So I would say this was my second sample record. The first one went kind of smooth because I was able to contact the people, actually, the record that we sampled, I was actually able to contact them and we was able to 
talk it out and come up with something that made sense before they even sent the paperwork. But when it came to the second one, it was just like, whoa, they want how much of the record? And, you know, this is the thing, like, we like a lot of people don't know. Like, you can hear a record on the radio, you be like, oh, I know that record. Oh, they sampled this and this, you know what I'm saying? But, and you might hear the radio, I mean, you know, the song being played millions of times, you might think, like, yo, this person rich off this record, but you got to think, like, if your percentage is small, you're really not making that much money off the record. You know what I'm saying? And it's all, at the end of the day, it's about percentages. So I feel like that shit underrated as far as, like, making samples. Like, he just said it. Like, producers, want to, they want to, like, sample records that, you know what I'm saying, sound like samples. Y'all want to chop samples, but it's, like, the splits and that sample clearance is hell. So I feel like producers, like, if you want to hop into a lane or connect with somebody, make those old-school type samples, you know what I'm saying? Look up those Frank Dukes QB tutorials and find out how to make those vinyl-type sounding samples and the whole time. It's better for you because, let's say I give you a sample, like, damn, what record this is? Now, I made that shit myself. You're going to use that because you know it ain't no crazy clearing split or none of that. You know what I'm saying? Just mm-hmm. some regular, like, loop shit. You feel Absolutely. Me? Yeah, I just didn't like the split. So I was just like, I had to think about it. And I had discussions with other producers about certain splits that they had, you know what I mean, with certain records that they did. And a lot of them told me some crazy stories, man. Like, crazy stories. I, I remember one producer told me that there was a particular record that he did. And I think that, they didn't want to give up. They cleared the record, but they wanted 100% of the record. Trevor. And uh, the artist was willing to let that slide. The producer was like, hell no. So he went and remade the beat. And when he remade the beat, they actually picked the remake of the beat. But see, that's the thing. That takes a different type of mindset. Like, that's 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 goat mentality. Like, nah, hold on. You're not going to jerk me. I'm about to go make this beat over. And I'm going to get 100% of this, you know what I'm saying? Instead of no, you know what I'm saying? Clearly, that's where he went from. 0% to his whole 100. Because he made the beat by himself when he remade it. So If you if you did go through with it, let's say it's like, it's a, it's a crazy play. The song is too good. And if you do go through with it, like, cool, they can get 100. What's some ways that you would, like, be able to recoup your bread outside of that royalty check? Like, if you took a, if, if they uh, put a record out and they took all of it? Yeah. I mean, the benefit of that, there's really only one benefit that I see, is if you just let them take the whole record, and that record is a single, and that record just blows up, like, it's just out of here. You're still the producer of that record. So at the end of the day, that is just gonna bring you clients. You know what I'm saying? Like. Just, just throwing it out there. Like, if you, let's just say it's a Drake record. Drake is, you would say, this is one of the top artists in the game right now, like, hands down. So, let's just say Drake uses one of your beats, but it was a sample. They don't want to clear it, but they said they want 100 to clear it. Drake is like, I still want to put it on my album. Fuck. It's a Drake record. You know what I'm saying? It's, especially if it's a single, you know it's going to be on the radio going crazy. You know what I mean? So, at the end of the day, everybody's going to be like, who produced that? They're going to check the credits. They're going to see it. Say JB. You know what I'm saying? So they're going to be hitting you up. Yo, JB, I needed a record. Like, like you gave that Drake. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just heard that joint you did for Drake, man. That joint going crazy. Like, it turns into money in other ways. But it's just about the mindset of the producer. You know, some producers be like, nah, I need my bread. Nah, I need my chicken. Like, you know what I mean? Like, some niggas will, you know, block themselves out of the their own yeah. shit. You know what I'm saying? They be in their own way. Most of us only got one way, though, in this industry. We only got one quarter of the check. That's why, you know, in this music industry, they've been telling you, like, you got to have other sources of income. Mm-hmm. You can't solely depend 
on just quarterly checks unless you just a hit maker. Okay. Like if you ain't a hit maker, I don't care if you got, I don't care if you were on 10 albums last year. If they not hits, it don't mean nothing. Like it really don't. Like status wise, yeah, yeah your, your resume, yeah, but right, trust me, I know. You know what I'm saying? I ain't got a lie. Yeah. I know. I know a lot of producers, a lot of them, practically all of them. And everybody ain't, it ain't everybody ain't up. You know what I'm saying? Like some people were just smart with their money and had other sources of income. But a lot of people didn't just live off of just quarterly checks. I was watching CLA Wu. Um, it was like a Monte Booker stream. He was like, bro, it's mu- it's not that much money in the industry like that. You feel me? Like it's money if you getting like hit, 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 like number one, number two, number three, back to back. But like, if you really want to like pocket, bro, you got to go outside that shit for this, real. This is money for artists. Cause you can do features. You know what I'm saying? You could do shows, you could tours, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. But producer, you're, you're there's only one hat. You make the beat. That's it. So it's like You wear a couple though, you vice president, 808 Mafia. Yeah, I wear a couple hats, but you know, like I said, everybody ain't gonna be blessed with these opportunities and the, to be in these certain positions. So let's backtrack a little bit. You're in New York, you're making beats, like walk us from there to you getting your first like major placement. All right, so I'm in New York. I was a full-time engineer um, at a studio. Um, I, I had a couple dudes that I used to kick it with. You know, they made beats and stuff like that. I think they was more into it than I was. But, you know, it was just ironic. You know, my boys, they used to watch, like, Lex Luger and Southside on YouTube and stuff like that. I was I was never that guy who watched, like, other people on YouTube. I will. I mean, I would. Let me not say I wouldn't. I wouldn't watch producers necessarily. I, you know, I watch like other sources of motivation, like watch Kobe or Allen Iverson or you know Jordan or something like. But that's how I get motivated. But you know, they used to watch a lot of that, and I used to see it, and that's how I got kind of familiar with you know just the whole sound of what was going on in Atlanta and who's like kind of like stamping it. You know, what I'm saying with the whole 808 Mafia, Lex Luger stuff. And I had a homeboy who was like out in Atlanta and he was around Southside, Waka, stuff like that. Just a mutual friend. And he rapped. So he used to just be like, yo, send me some beats. Cause you know, I was dabbling with the beats and I used to send him beats. And he used to hit me up like, yo, the Waka did a song to one of your beats last night. I be like, oh, all right, that's cool. That's what's up. I never got too excited about much, but I remember it was like one day he called me and he was like, hey, Southside want to holler at you. So I was just like, okay, you know what I mean? Like, all right, whatever. So I had him on speakerphone, which was kind of crazy. Cause like I said, the homies that was at the studio, they used to watch him on YouTube, you know what I mean? So to have him on speakerphone, they were like, oh shit, like Southside is on this nigga phone right now. Southside was like, yo, you fire. He said, yo, I need you part of the mob. Like, I need you in the A. And I was just like, all right. So I don't know how other people would have operated, but I just packed up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't know, but I don't know. I just I just looked at it like, all right, this is an opportunity. And plus, I ain't going to lie. Like, I was from New York, but I just felt like at the time, New York was just, like, dry. You know what I mean? It was just it wasn't really nothing for me out there. And um, I, I took that leap of faith. I came to the A, but it was crazy. I came to the A, but I only came for, like, a week. And then I left. And then I remember Southside hit me up, like, bro, you're not supposed to leave. You're supposed to stay. Like, what are you doing? I was like, oh, all right. So that's when I was just like, yo, fuck it. I quit the studio. 
packed up my shit from my apartment, went back. Cause I was like, all right, now I'm really about to, you know what I mean? Lock it in out there. Went to the A. And my first placement, um, well, maybe not to y'all, but to me, was um, I remember I got to the A and within that first week, maybe like the third day of me being uh, here, Waka was like, yo, we going to Patchwork. So that was, you know, big for me because especially coming from New York, I wasn't too familiar with too many big studios. You know what I mean? I mean, I already knew like the quads and stuff in Manhattan, but I wasn't around that. That's in Manhattan. You know what I mean? So I knew about Patchwork and I knew it was like legendary. So just going there, I was just like, oh, wow, Patchwork. But as soon as we got there, I think we was in the B room. Uh, we walked in and Gucci Mane was in there. And we sat down and we was just chilling. Then Engineer would like play, press play, hit the space bar, and my beat was playing. I was like, oh shit, you know what I mean? Like, damn. Then Gucci just went in the booth and just literally just like damn near one, one take the whole shit just went crazy. And I was just like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? I just tapped Waka on the leg and I'm like, yo, I made that beat. Then Waka was like, well, word. Then I remember he's like, yo, Gucci, yo, Fuse made that. And then like Gucci was like, oh, all right, that shit hard. So I was just like, wow, like that fast. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't thinking like it'll move that fast. Cause my, like I said, my boy told me like, Yo, Waka use your beat or Woo use your beat, but I didn't hear the songs. So I couldn't really get too hype. It was just like, oh, he used the beat. But I got to physically see a notable rapper use a beat of mine. So I was just like, oh, this is lit. So that's just pretty much, I would, for me, that was my first placement happening in front of my eyes. But my first placement song to come out was a Waka record. It was called Short Fuse, ironically, right? <laughs> yeah. Bro, that nigga say I'm so mad I missed that era, bro. Like that whole Gucci man era in Atlanta, man. Shit, bro. Yeah, it was yeah, really bro. lit. The whole Brick Squad movement, like, it was different, man. It was definitely experience for real. So when did Southside like make it official? He was like, "Hey, bro, let me sign you." As soon as I got to the Atlanta, <laughs> literally, like, you know what I mean. But what I liked about it was like Sizzle didn't make it easy for me. You know what I'm saying? Like, a lot of people don't know like the ins and outs or how things go down or anything like that. But it was like, Sizzle, Sizzle didn't hand nothing to me. Like, it wasn't like, yo, I'm, yo, this is Fuse, yo, work with this nigga or nothing like that. It's not like he was pulling, bringing me to sessions or anything like that. Like, I really, he really just handed me a spare, told me to go into the fucking woods and come back with a fucking, you know, wolf jacket or something, like fur jacket and shit. So I was just like, all right. So that's pretty much what it was for me. You know, I think he handled everybody in the group differently. But for me, it was just more or less like your fusion. Go out there and get it. Just, that's it. Just go get it. So that was my mentality. I had to come out here and just shake. But the thing about it was, you know, coming from New York, I still had a New York sound. You know what I mean? It was different. It's not like they didn't fuck with it. It was just like, I don't know how everybody else gonna fuck with it if I put this out, you know what I'm saying? So I had to find a way to incorporate what I, my style with my new family style, you know, 808 Mafia type shit. So pretty much I just had to infuse it together. Can you give us a few pieces of game from Southside? I would be real, Southside is my brother. Our relationship is more like family. Like when we when we around each other, we talking about family shit, like real life shit. We don't, it's not even about music. We rarely talk about music, unless it's like business shit that we have to talk about, but it's more or less like family. So like when we talk, 
I'm getting a different type of advice. It's not always music advice, but I, a lot of things that I learned just from watching him, I'll say, you know, that I picked up on game was like work ethic, crazy, crazy. Like that man, like then I, now I catch up on sleep. You know what I mean? I'm in a position to, but there was a point where I was just like, damn, how he don't sleep? Like he going three days straight, just beat after beat after beat after beat after beat. And then like, of course I could do that now because niggas is sending samples. Niggas is sending loops. He's doing this from scratch. He's doing the melody, like drums and next beat, melody, drums, next beat, melody, drums. Like, damn, this nigga crazy. So work ethic. But I seen like, I seen Southside be at an all time low. And I seen like him like not even let that shit phase him. Him using that as fuel to, you know, get the crazy bounce. Like bounce back was crazy. Like, uh, y'all might not have been able to physically see the that gap, but there was a gap where Southside was like going through a certain thing, but man, he persevered. Like that nigga, I learned a lot from just watching him. Um, outside of that, I like how he handled his business. Southside is very smart. You know what I mean? I think that's what he respects for me too. We, I mean, clearly, well, I'll be a VP, right? But I just think I respect his mentality when it comes to business. You know what I'm saying? Like he's the type, you know, like there's certain things that when you, especially when you run in the company, there's certain things you could just get away with if people are just oblivious to it. You know what I mean? But he puts me on. Like he's going to tell me like, yo, Fuse, don't do this, do that. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like one of the biggest things I would say Southside has ever did for me was like plug me in with Future. You know what I'm saying? Because the way he did it, you know what I'm saying? Like I just remember like we was in the studio and it was like a bunch of people in the studio. Like it was a session with Future, you know. Southside was there. We just really just pulled up for Southside to, you know, drop off some beats. So I was just chilling with him. So I was just on the couch. The sizzle was like, yo, I'm about to go run off to this meek session. He said, you coming or you staying? You know what I mean? To me, I was just like, is that a real question? Like, you giving me an option? Because usually it's just like, your fuse. Tap me on the leg, um, we out. And this is it, we just out. But that day he was just like, you coming or you staying? I was like, shit, I'm gonna just Mac. You know what I mean? It was, it, it took a lot because, you know, I think Southside left him like a six pack. Future, when he record, he will record to everything you bring him, especially with Sizzle, you know what I'm saying? So he recorded the whole five pack, six pack, whatever. I sat there through it, hours and hours of him recording. It went from like 30 people in the room to just me, Seth, and Future. You know what I'm saying? Like crazy and I just remember like just playing beats for him and our relationship just got you know what I mean we got tight from there he just I guess he just fucked with the sound and that's where it blossomed but I just feel like still to this day them records you hear them them real loves the group homes the St. Lucia whatever like that shit wouldn't have been happening if it wasn't for that day that's just how I feel maybe it would have happened a different way but I solely feel if he didn't leave me in that room it, those records wouldn't have been where they at. Bro, you got niggas watching this like, damn, I can't wait to motherfucking record the future <laughs> or some shit, you feel me? So what have you picked up as far as like being in the room with artists and like just picking up like vibes or stuff not to do or stuff to pay attention to like when you're in the studio with these people? You know what I'm saying? Everybody has a different personality and pay attention to moods. You know what I'm saying? Some artists might come to the studio, they just might have been, you know, arguing with they shorty or you know what I mean? He had some fucked up business going on or something happened to one of their homeboys and 
you know, they, their mindset might not be all happy. And you know what I mean? You don't want to, you don't want to be doing too much, you know, understand like you're there to provide a service, everything else that comes after that, let them, let them do that. Like if they want to crack jokes, let them crack the jokes. You don't got to crack the jokes. You know what I mean? If they want to be like, Hey, you want to hang out? Let them be the ones to invite you. You don't got to be like, hey, can I hang with y'all? Yo, y'all going to the club? Yo, what club? I want to go with y'all. You know what I mean? You don't got to be like that. Just just do what you came to do. All that other stuff going to come. You know what I'm saying? Like, especially if they fuck with you. But, you know, personalities have to mesh. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I say personalities. You have to really pay attention to that. Um, a lot of ego. A lot of people have, a lot of artists have egos. A lot of producers have egos. But, you know, artists, they have ego so sometimes you got to put yours to the side to let their ego fit the room you know what i mean just at the end of the day play that beat get that placement keep it moving has there ever been a time where you had to like get in the chair and like do more than just produce like engineer yeah i mean like i said i used to full-time engineer but it's so funny now you couldn't even pay me to do that shit i'm so removed from that man i I mean i'll sit there and press three i think that's the only thing i remember it's so crazy like when you stop doing something like how you could really forget that shit but i used to record all the time and i'd be having like even my own artists they'd be like yo you think you could record me then i'd be like yo bro i'm sorry could you find the engineer i'll pay that nigga like you know what i mean like because i ain't doing it so would you say like moving around the a back then is different now same thing. You still got the hustles is still the same. You pull up game gotta be strong. You gotta you gotta show your face. You know what I mean? Like that was my downfall. I'll keep it real. Like I don't go out. I don't go to clubs. I don't hang with rappers. I don't hang with other producers. I don't do none of that. I just be in my own lane. And because of that, it makes my workload a little bit more because I if I want to make connections that means I physically have to make it happen you know what I'm saying opposed to like you know if you're just a person who goes out all the time you just gonna this shit just gonna fall in your lap sometimes you know you're just in the right place right time you're gonna bump into artists you're gonna bump into other people make connections like that so I think if you're like me a person who doesn't go out much or anything like that I would say definitely get like a manager or somebody somebody who is outside and active but I feel like, you know, definitely got to be active, especially now because there's so many new artists coming out. You know what I'm saying? You want to, you never know who's the next big star. So you want to make sure you're working with everybody. You know what I mean? You don't want to close yourself off and just work with this person over here or this person over there. I'm more of like, I want to work with everybody. If I, there's artists every day I don't know about that I get introduced to or I find out about and I want to work with them. You know what I mean? Like, it's not even about feeling like, oh, uh, I don't like his music. I don't want to work with him. You know what I'm saying? I might just not not like that song, but me and him might, or me and her, might create some music that, you know what I mean, might really do something. So I don't just close people off based off a, a material or a song I don't like. I just feel like if we work together, we might potentially make something we all could like. I'm pushing a scenario to get in more detail. Like, you just moved to Atlanta today. You know, you start off from scratch, like you don't have no places, no nothing. You just moved to Atlanta, like the first like month. What are you doing? Like, how you like? What you? What you? What, all right. So what would I do now, or what did I do? Now, nah, what would you do now? Like, all what, right. So if I plan? was, if I moved to Atlanta today, right now today, first thing over, I want to know where the studios are at. All the studios, I want to write them down. Eleventh Street, 
patchwork up to 12 studios down to like so many I'll, I'll be forgetting names of all of them but we already know atlanta has unlimited studios try to find all of them then i would say try to get in meaning like intern like at any one of these studios that's first and foremost especially if you don't know nobody you don't got no connects or nothing no access to nothing much go to these studios and find out how you could part how you could help them how you could participate in the studio don't worry about trying to get to know artists don't worry about trying to get around nobody yet just try to get your feet cemented in the environment where you could actually produce these relationships so that's what i would do and then um once i'm in the studio man like i'm connecting with everybody from the owner to the other interns to the engineers everybody who walk in that building because that's how you build your network you know what i'm saying and i feel like imagine Let's just say hypothetically, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's you and you come to the Atlanta and this is your first month, first two months, whatever, and you're good at this studio. You, you know the engineers and people over there and you know the engineers and people over there and this studio over there. Like, because you have these relationships, especially if you're talented, like, real going to recognize real, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, if you if you talented, you, you know, know an engineer, an engineer might be like, yo, I'm working with, you know, Herbo today. Oh, word? Y'all, I got a pack. Y'all, I can send that to you? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's how you build that relationship. This is basically using the people that you met through you making these certain moves for yourself, creating a network that's going to benefit your business. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And these are just certain steps that you want to take. You don't always want to go through people. You could do this stuff yourself. I know a lot of people like, for a rip, I need a manager. I need somebody that's going to, you know what I mean? Connect me to everybody. I mean, managers are cool, but, you know, at the end of the day, ain't nothing better than, like, getting it out the mud yourself. You know what I'm saying? Manage, because you can always get it out the mud yourself and then hire a manager later on later on to maintain what you got going on and to add value. But, you know, that doesn't have to be your first go-to. You know what I'm saying? I was, like, so for me, like I say, I would come here, definitely try to connect with as many studios and as many people inside these studios as possible. All right, so second scenario. I mean, goddamn, the tip of Canada. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to work with people in Atlanta. I'm trying to work with people in that circle. I can't get to that city, but I'm trying to work with those type of people. What should I be doing? Like, how should I move around as far as DM or on the internet? You know what I'm saying? Because you can only take someone so seriously with a DM, you feel me? If I was a producer and how I usually catch attention from producers, I should say, is usually through repost. Meaning like, you know, a person might do a video and it just went viral. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, like, who's that? That's hard. You know what I mean? There's a lot of uh, sample makers and loop makers that I discovered, not discovered, but when I say discovered, like found out about myself um, like, like through social media because of, you know, it might be like a producer. I know he might be drum heavy. So he might say, oh, you know, tag the other person who added the sample. I might be like, oh, damn, he made that sample. I might go to his page now. Mm-hmm. Oh, damn, he posted. You know, some a lot of people like to post their material on, they, on their profiles now. So, you know, you start clicking on videos here, reels here. And you're like, oh, nah, this is fire. So that's for me, though. That's how I will find people. But be heavy on social media. I think social media is like the biggest tool we have right now. That's how you connect with people everywhere. 
Because everybody's on their phone right there. Social media. So if you were somewhere else that's not where it's going on at, I would say try to connect through social media and provide a service. Like, I mean, I don't know how other producers, like, connect with others, like, especially, like, melody makers. A lot of them are, like, from overseas, at least the ones that I've worked with. A lot of them are not here in the U.S. And I feel like that is definitely a way to connect. You providing a service. You're creating these melodies. You know what I'm saying? You're not sending me beats, full beats. You're sending me something that I could work with myself that we both can make something off of. So it, I think that's pretty much how you should do it. Kits are real big, too. Like people who uh, create kits, put their name to the kit. That'll help you get your name out there too, especially if you're from somewhere else. Cause everybody's always looking for new sounds. You stay looking for kit makers. Always. So got the drip, got the sauce, you feel me? So backtracking, so let's talk about you being the VP of 808 Mafia. Like when did that come about and when you got that position, like what changed as far as like what are you doing now daily? I think all that really changed is that so at the end of the day, there's a lot of people in this industry, I feel, that they Back to what I said, personality. Remember? So Southside might not have like the approachable personality to them. Some people are intimidated. They see the tattoos on the face. They see the serious face. You know what I mean? The entourage. They might be like, damn, you know, I can't talk to them. Well, I'm scared to talk to them. But I'm not saying I'm any more approachable, but you know, I just feel like they warm up to me a little bit more. I guess, you know what I mean? So people like to talk to me. I, I get a lot of people be like, yeah, I was trying to talk to Southside, but you know, you know Southside, so what we do, Fuse, you know what I mean? And they'll just be like, all right, well, I'm a hot last sizzle. You know what I mean? It's a little bit more easier. But I think I'm more of a better middleman. That's what it is. And then when it happened for me, it happened at least, like I don't remember the date, maybe four years ago, five years ago, something like that. But I know I was getting tatted when it happened. <laughs> but... Um, I just feel like that's that's pretty much what it is. Like, you know, the business mind, I always see a vision for the mob. I'm not a, I don't look at myself as a star player. Not saying I'm not a star player. I just don't look at myself. I'm more of a team player. Anytime I talk to people about anything related to music, I want the crew to benefit. You know what I'm saying? It's always about the crew. You know what I'm saying? I mean, of course, there's going to be opportunities that are just presented for me, myself, as for anybody else in the crew. But I'm always looking for how could we stay what we are 10 years from now? And then when we reach that mark, how could we get it to the next 10 years? You know what I'm saying? So it's just always about vision. And I, man, you got to think, there's a lot of people who just produce you know what I mean? Like, they're here. they just here to cook up, make this money, and make it pop. You know what I mean? They're not really necessarily worried about the ins and outs of the brand's future. They're worried about their future. You know what I'm saying? Me, I'm more concerned about the umbrella. You feel like in the music industry, a lot of people that have, it's people that have good placements, you know what I'm saying? They have brands, but they don't have that professional representation that can actually communicate. You know when people be like, you owe me this money and all this shit, yeah. not handling business. I feel like that's one thing that's in this industry. People, 
they don't have that a lot of times like a real a real professional because they don't understand they have a real professional business so it doesn't yeah. matter how unprofessional you are or where you come from you need that representation to actually get the job done once you once you the minute you saying i want to be a producer that means you're a salesman because you're making beats you have to sell these beats you know what i'm saying at that moment you're a businessman selling beats that's your business how do you run a business without employees? It's not that easy, you know what I'm saying? So that's why you hire managers. That's why you hire assistants. That's why you hire accountants. That's why you hire lawyers. This is your employees. These are these are people that work for you. You pay for you pay for the services from these people. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't work for them. So it's definitely important that you build yourself a strong team and business around you. Because your shit gonna fold if you think you can just run that shit yourself. You know what I'm saying? It's, and back to what I said, personality. If you don't got that personality to get shit done, shit ain't gonna get done. In the sense of saying like, if you're not aggressive, how you gonna get your money? Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> exactly. So how you gonna run a business by yourself if you're not even aggressive? People gonna walk all over you. You, you need somebody on your team that's going to be aggressive for you then. You know what I'm saying? So you just got to know yourself and know where you lack and what you need and fill those voids. That's highly important. I've seen on social media, uh, somebody was saying like, 808 Mafia and it was 808 Mafia and another producer shaped like the sound of the industry for the past like five or 10 years, something like that, right? How does 808 Mafia as a team continue to lead the sound and make everybody else have to follow 808 Mafia. Like, just continuously, not from back then, but just the sound of today is kind of like... Just being innovative, not being afraid to try different things, and understanding the assignment. Like, we understand the assignment. Like, we're producers. That means we're supposed to push the culture forward, not stay stagnant. You know what I'm saying? So the only way you're going to do that is by trying different things. Of course, we're going to use 808s, but we're going to try them in different ways. Of course, we're going to use hi-hats, but we're going to try them in different ways. Same thing with snares. You know what I mean? It's all about just trying something different. Even if it don't make sense at the moment, it'll catch on. And that's, the, that's, that's where you know you're ahead of time. When you're doing something that everybody don't really understand right now, but then they catch on later, and you realize you've been doing that. Like, where y'all been? You know what I'm saying? Like, I've been doing that. So stay ahead and um like our influx like i think we saturate artists with so much material that you don't even know what the next sound is going to be because we trying shit so think about it. if i i decide to make 10 beats today right i want to make this one type beat like this then the second beat i want to make it totally different from the first one third one totally different from the first two so now I end up with 10 beats sound totally different. Some of them I might have just been experimenting with shit, right? You send that beat, you send that pack off to an artist. Now, just because an artist gets a beat in January doesn't mean he's going to use that beat and put it out in February. You know what I mean? He might record to the beat in January. He might not record to it till June. He might not put the song out until next June. So you're talking about a beat that you made two years ago, a year ago, three years ago now just being released. Now you're also looking at it like, 
three years ago, I remember that pack. I was just trying shit. I was just experimenting. But Future or Drake just put out a record to that beat. You know what I mean? To that beat you did three years ago. It was some wild, weird shit. Now it's out. Now everybody hear it. Now it's something new to everybody's ear. It's old to you, because you know you did that a while ago, but to everybody else is new. So now everybody like, damn, this is new. That's the wave. I got to go home and try some shit like that. You heard what you did with that 808? Damn, I got to go home and try that shit. So now everybody trying shit that's new, and it becomes a wave. You feel me? But you was just trying something, but people don't know that. So sometimes we just be creating waves just, just trying to be different. You know what I mean? So that's how you stay ahead. And I feel like anybody has that ability. But I think a lot of people are scared because if you a producer coming in this game, I feel like everybody feels like they have to follow what's kind of going on. You know what I mean? Instead of saying like, yeah, that, I see what's going on, but that's going to die down soon. I'm going to come with this shit over here. They're going to catch on to this. They're going to eventually fuck with this. And I feel like a lot of people don't want to gamble on that because they want to play the safe zone. So they saying, shit, I'm going to just cook up the shit that I know they like. I'm gonna cook up the shit I know they already been using. Like that's not that's not pushing the game forward. You know what I'm saying? If you just keep giving the artist the shit that he's used to rapping on, how's he growing as an artist? Cause he gonna keep picking it. He like it, right? But you gotta challenge artists by sending them different shit. We're the producers. We're the ones who's like shaping this shit. So you gotta challenge motherfuckers sometimes. I'm being I've been in the room. I'm telling you where a producer will play a beat for an artist. And the beat necessarily will not be a beat that the artist will use. But they'll be like, yo, run that shit back. Yo, not yet. Bring that beat back. That shit sounds crazy. Next thing you know, they going in there trying some shit. And you like, damn, I would have never sent this nigga this beat. But this shit came out hard. And it's crazy because I was just with D.Y. and Trey Pounds last night. And they was talking about a placement they just got. And they was like, I would have never sent this beat. Because they were tracking the beat out to send it, you know, the track outs. And they was like, this beat whack. <laughs> like they shitting on the beat themselves. Like this be whack. It be these beats that niggas be picking. But think about it. It's a whack beat to you, but you sent it anyway. Clearly, that's why he picked it. That's why you just never know. So you just got to send anything at this point. You just never know what a nigga gonna fuck with. You might send a nigga some weird R and B shit, and this nigga on some hard trap shit. But he might be like, oh, I, I want to rap on this shit. That shit might become a wave now. Especially if that, especially if that shit pop right. Everybody gonna be wanting like, oh nah, niggas be on this R and B shit right now. This is a wave right now. You just never know what's gonna do it. You just gotta stay ahead and don't follow what everybody else doing. That shit do make sense, like that R and B drill shit, like niggas doing the drill beat with the yeah. R and B sample. Mm -hmm. Who the fuck thought of that? Nigga? That shit crazy. That's that's a, that's a wave. You know what I'm saying? Whoever originated that, I don't know who did, but whoever did, I know he's sitting back like watching other niggas do it now. He probably just fucking around that shit on accident too, cause they know what he was like. Oh yeah, this shit about to go crazy. Exactly. That's that's literally just how it goes. So I see you have a studio now. So I want to ask you for any major producer that's getting royalty checks and royalty checks enough to get a facility. Is this something that's like a mandatory to do to have your own facility? I I feel like it just depends on your relationship. So some producers have artist to producer relationships, meaning like you're just locked in with that one artist. Wherever that artist goes, you go. Wherever, you know, that artist needs a beat, you're the one who's supplying it. So if you just have one of those relationships, you kind of don't need it because you're kind of tied to somebody. But if you just somebody who's like trying to work with everybody, I feel like having a studio is definitely something you should do. 
because you're providing more than one service. So as a producer, you're providing the service of selling the beat, but now you're selling time. You're selling space. You feel me? And that's what all artists need, right? So if you create a facility that people would like, definitely going to boost your, uh, your rate in the sense of like clients and, you know, how much business you get. Because you got to think like artists come to Atlanta all the time fly in, come fuck around, da, da, da. they be looking for studios. A lot of studios be booked up. I know because even though I have a studio, we still be trying to get rooms to switch up the vibes. So we be like, let's go book over here. But it should just be booked up. So imagine, you know, like not to just throw lane, this is just an example. You know, might be like a Tory Lanez or something coming into Atlanta like, yo, I need a studio. You know, he might be like, yo, JB, I need a stool. JB might be like, shit, I got a stool. That turns in right there you might fuck around and end up doing a whole album with him because you provided a facility and you got beats. You feel what I'm saying? So I feel like it just works better when you have a, f- a facility where you can provide way more than just giving a nigga a beat. So producers add more value to themselves by just giving the artists more value, not just the one thing with just beats because it's like they're all over YouTube and shit. They everywhere, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Everywhere. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know how to explain it in a different way, but it's just more or less like you're, prov- I, I say it a lot, you're providing a service and that's how you want to approach people. That's how you want to come to people. You don't want to look at it like you need them for your personal come up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yo, I need yeah. this placement so my resume right. can look better. <laughs> like, no, like, this is work. You know, I got these beats. I feel like these beats that I have could help make this album that you're working on better. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And from there, it'll turn into whatever it turns into. But you have to c- approach people with just knowing that you're providing a service. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, unless these artists are just knocking at your door. You know what I mean? I don't know too many producers who living like that. Not too many. Maybe a handful. Yeah. But I know artists just ain't knocking down on niggas' doors. So... It's best to, you know, if you have a facility, studios, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Especially if you have a studio that offers amenities. You know what I mean? Massages, uh, some cool shit going on in there, you know? I said massages. You know a studio that do that shit, bro? I mean, I ain't gonna put it out there. (laughs) This nigga, man. I I never heard no shit like that before, bro. Off camera, off the record. (laughs) But um, there's definitely, like, Ways to make it to where people want to come to your shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, now nah, I'm going. Even if they don't want to use your fucking beats. Fuck it. I got the studio. Come spend some money on this shit, then. You'd be like, I got some Frieza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all of that. Yeah, you'd be surprised what could get a motherfucker in the room of yours. So. Yeah, shout out Fuse. Like, this salesman, this salesman vibe. Like, a lot of producers got to go in and read some of that. And, like, just to not be in a box of, like... I'm just gonna be rich off of just bees, 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 and I'm firing. Like, even artists, you know what I'm saying? Like, just from hearing you talk about it and just confirming for me, like, we should all understand it. Even if you're not just a salesman, a complete salesman, you should just at least understand, because then you won't be running into, bro, I tried to, I'm at the studio and they're not buying no beats. Did you sell them beats? Yeah. Hell, you mean you're not buying? You got some value that make them feel like they need you? Exactly. And it's not even about, and that's another thing, like, all right, so when you use the word sales, you're automatically thinking in exchange Mm -hmm. of money, Mm -hmm. right? 
but that's not necessarily how it goes. Like, I take, even if I gave you a beat for free, but I know the business is taken care of, like, you know, the splits and everything is still right, and you put that record out, that record is being streamed, which means it's being sold, mm -hmm. which means I'm still selling something. Mm -hmm. You converted them. Exactly. You converted them. So I just look at it like, you can't be so hard on the, even if a dude does use your beat, Look at it like, nah, he used my beat. I need my bread. Right. Yo, I need my yeah, bread. Like, you don't want to ruin that relationship yeah. like that. You know what I'm saying? That's not even your place. Thanks. You're a creator. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, like I said, when you build your team, you're supposed to have somebody in position to go get your bread. Mm -hmm. when, when artists be like, yo, Fuel, so, yo, how much for a beat? Yo, I have my people holler at you. I, I hear your bet. Hey, there's no reason why I'm telling you a price over the phone or through text or anything like that. They gonna handle that, you know what I'm saying? I'm just here to provide the beat. That's my service. You know what I mean? Y'all can negotiate. They ain't got nothing to do with me. You know what I'm saying? So I just feel like a lot of people like to handle the business themselves and they shoot themselves in the foot because they be like, yo, where my bread? You know, you gotta be patient. And every label don't work the same. Every label not just gonna give you a check the minute they say you'll send the track outs. Every label not gonna give you a check as soon as the song comes out. Like sometimes you don't get paid for something for months after the song come out. Sometimes you might get paid before the song come out. Sometimes you get paid the week the song come out. It's just all different, you know what I'm saying? But you still have to be patient and just be, you know, firm in understanding that you're gonna get paid, you're gonna get your bread. They're not gonna run off on you. You know what I'm saying? Just make sure you got your stuff right and you're good. That's what lawyers are for. You know what I mean? And if the labels don't want to pay, there's other steps you could take. You know what I'm saying? But you don't got to be like, nah, fuck this artist. Like, I'm not going to ruin no relationship with no artist over no bread. Reason why? The artist is not paying me. It's coming out of his budget. The label's paying me. You know what I'm saying? It has nothing to do with the artist. I can't be calling the artist like, yo, you know what I'm saying? Like, yo, what's up with this bread? You ain't, ain't get my bread yet. Like, it has nothing to do with that person. You know what I mean? Like, your lawyer or your manager is supposed to be speaking to somebody at the label to get your bread for you. Artists is just being the artist. They just trying to get their music out. You just trying to get paid. I understand that, but it's not always going to go the way you want it to go. You know what I'm saying? And that's just a part of business, too. And as long as you understand that, there's going to be highs with some lows. Everything is going to be up and up, up and up, and keep going up. Like, nah, there's going to be some drops. There's going to be some droughts. There's going to be some yeah. times you just like, damn. But just keep working and just understand that everything that's meant to be is going to be regardless. Yeah. Nothing you can do to alter that. It's already there. You know what I mean? Just keep working. So what's some, like, bullshit you see on the other side that you see, like, young producers do that fuck up the business? Like, yeah, we can't work with this nigga again. Are you tripping? I feel like they don't really know like you get hype right Let's, I mean you're saying you 14, 15 you got a fucking future record so you hype ahead you know what I'm saying and when that shit coming out hey I seen you posted a cover is that just you know what I'm saying like I don't so spamming the artist and tagging me if we did the beat together like the artist don't want to be spammed with the post and I don't want to be spammed with the post neither like you could you could say produced by you and Fuse without actually atting me. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you could actually say, yo, I got this new future record without actually 
at in the future. And I understand some people do it because they feel like if I at the artist, the artist is going to see that I was on the beat too. And that now we going to have a relationship. Yeah. Half these artists don't even be on their gram. And if it's a dude, he's probably not even paying attention to these producers. He's probably looking for bitches. <laughs> okay. You feel what I'm saying? So it's just like, it's, it's a waste. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. that that could be annoying. But I get it. You're hype. It's your first placement. You want the world to see that, yo, I'm on this record too. Mm -hmm. So I get it. But you just got to play it cool. You know what I'm saying? Like, at the end of the day. And I know, like, especially for some people, like, there might be some instances a record might come out and a producer might not be credited. Mm. And uh, they want to be credited, so they just spam the fuck out of social media, you know what I mean, saying that they produced it or whatever, but ain't nothing wrong with that neither if you buy wanting to know people, wanting people to know you're part of the record. But I just look at them like, when you look up album credits or song credits or anything, like, whoever's participated on that record, their name is there. You even got the recording engineer on the nigga. <laughs> so that's why I just be like, it's never that serious. You know what I'm saying? Like, your mm -hmm. information is there, but, you know, some people are more or less, like, clout chasing. So they want... But I, I see it from all aspects because I know, like, your name could get you in rooms too. You know what I'm saying? So, like, you know, like, with the tag thing, you know what I'm saying? Like, you might put out a record with a producer and they like, you know, they might give you a melody and they're like, yo, put my tag on there and you don't put the tag on there and they might get mad. But sometimes you have to understand like two ways. A artist, a lot of them don't even want tags on the record sometimes unless you were like a household tag. You know what I'm saying? 808 Mafia. Hey, take key, fuck these niggas up. You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, Metro, yo, Metro. Like these are household tags that you just hear on random records, but you know, like, you just play an instrumental and you hear that tag, you're going to want the beat. Just because mm -hmm. the tag on it. You know what I'm saying? Those type vibes. But a lot of people, they, I just gave people records with my tag on it. They took the tag off. You know what I mean? It's not going to be on there all the time, but I don't get mad. I don't be hitting the artist. Yo, why you take my tag off? What the fuck? That's some bullshit. Like, I, that's, but that's just me. You know what I mean? Like, I know some tags change some niggas' lives, so I can understand why some people will go so hard for their credit, too. I mean, I see it from both sides, but I just feel like what's going to be is going to be. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're going to blow, you're going to blow at the end of the day. Like, nothing's going to come in the way of that. Like, what's meant, like I say, what's meant for you is meant for you. Mm -hmm. So some people be trying to force it. You know what I'm saying? And I've seen some people try to force it for years and still don't got the household name. You know what I'm saying? So... It's just like I said, it's just what's for you it's for you. I mean, let's get into the juicy shit, bro. Like, I ain't gonna count. I've been seeing a lot of uh like niggas mad at their labels, artists mad at their labels. I seen it been young boys just post like fucking Atlantic. Who else? Um someone was like, fuck this label and shit like that. But I uh let's I seen you posting on Twitter, you was like uh eleven years and never uh signed a publishing deal. Are you against them? How you feel about them? I'm not against publishing deals. It's all situational. You know what I'm saying? I know publishing deals are no different from record deals. It's just our version for producers. You know what I mean? You're signing away shit. You're signing away rights. You're signing away all types of shit for an advance. That So at the end of the day, I just look at it like this. There's a number. And that number is called an advance, right? Yeah. That advance is what they feel you're worth. Or what they feel you can generate. Mm -hmm. If they already predict that, that means there must be a bigger number that they see. 
because at the end of the day, they're not going to give you something to break even on. They're going to give you something where they can profit. Mm. So the number that you're getting is clearly, you know that's what you work, but you clearly know you work more than that. Damn, I ain't think about this shit like that, bro. You signing these rights and you signing this, you know, I look at it as like time is the biggest right you got. So if you sign these contracts and you call in this contract three, five years or, you know what I mean, for X amount of time and you're not producing to meet the standards of your requirements, you're kind of in the red now. Now you're stuck, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And all you could live off of is this advance. That money dry up, then what? You know what I'm saying? So I don't look for advances. I just know that I'm a producer. My records are out there. I physically can't collect my money. So I need to hire somebody to do that. So I go the admin route. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But that was also a game that Sizzle gave me. You know what I'm saying? Like Southside. Like I would have did a publishing deal back when I started. But Sizzle was like, nah, I do admin. You know what I'm saying? So that's ever since then. I've been more a little educated on the admin side than the publishing side because I knew I didn't have to go there. I've known so many producers who went the publishing route and they're mad, pissed, tight, mad at their publishers. It's like all types of shit. Publishers will promise you all types of shit. They are some fucking salesmen. I'll be real with you. Like, Make you feel good here. Make what? Welcome to the family. We're going to have you in the room with this. We'll get you on this album. Oh, yeah, this. we just got this dude, this placement on this album. Did it? You know, we get hyped. Like, oh, word. Then you get that advantage. The next thing you know, you sign to them. You over here wondering, like, why do you keep having me in these bum-ass writing sessions? Like, it's just writing session after writing session after you in the room with 10 other producers. and <laughs> Ain't even an artist, it's a writer, bro. Yeah, like, you're not even with the artists. You with just writers. Ain't nothing wrong with writers. Shout out to all the writers, because I've made hits with writers. I'm just saying, like, that's not what you're told. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. They're not telling you, like, yo, sign with us. We're going to have you in here with all the top writers. <laughs> that you just, That's pretty much what you're going to be doing. But that's, you know what I mean? They're not saying that. They're like, you know, they're selling you a vision. They got pictures of fucking Drake and Future and all these niggas on the wall. Got you thinking like, oh yeah, you know what I'm saying? He's down with our publishing company too. And that's another thing. Like, they got artists who signed the pub deals too. And you would think because you're signed to the same company that it'll be a better relationship getting in contact with these people. It's, it'd be games around that shit too. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of, that's why I say just don't chase the dollar. You know what I mean? Like, Chase your goals. If your goal is the dollar, then clearly you're doing your job then. Mm-hmm. But if your goal isn't the dollar, don't chase the dollar. The dollar exactly. gonna come. Okay. It's gonna come. I tell people this all the time. The money gonna come. Most people don't see it that way. Cause they just look at it, cause they looking at other people's lives and it looks like their lives is a little bit on fast forward and yours is like on pause or something. But no, you're moving your pace. Okay. When it comes, it's gonna come. When your time come, that person that you was looking at that was on the top might not be on the top when you're on the top. So you can't look at it like, you know what I'm saying? Like, damn, this nigga on the top. I'm trying to get there too. Dang, what the fuck? Like, it's going to come. So I just try to tell everybody that too. What about locking in with like producers? Like, I, I see a lot of producers, really like sample makers, saying like, bro, I'm not going to lock in with this nigga exclusively, bro. Fuck that nigga. I'm going to sing to everybody. Like, how do you feel about like just locking in with this producer? Like, if you want to sign a dude and like, yo, lock in with me. I mean, it's a commitment. Mm-hmm. But the thing about me is I'm not the type of person that's like, 
Think about this. Like, it just makes sense. Like, why would I tell you you can't work with other producers if you sign to me? Yeah, you're exclusive. That means just the stuff you give me is for me. Mm. You can still make shit for other people. You can still work with other people. Still do stuff with other people. Ain't some people be in situations where everything they do has to come through that channel first, and then if they don't want it, mm. they be like, all right, you can send it out. But for me, it's just like, I don't, I wouldn't even operate like that. I want you to work with other producers. Shit, if you sign to me, that means anything you do, I'm attached to it. Mm-hmm. So that means if you over there working with Joe or whoever, whatever producer, and y'all make a hit, and that shit go crazy, I'm part of that too. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? It's not just you, you know what I'm saying? So I want you to flourish. I want you, shit, I want you to be bigger than me. Thanks. You feel me? So I just look at it like, shit, it's not even about like just keeping niggas exclusive and away from the world. You know what I mean? I want you to, the whole world needs to hear that. Work with everybody, you know what I'm saying? That's facts, that's facts. So we got this segment called Overrated, Underrated. Basically, we give you a topic and you say if it's overrated or underrated, then you just got to say your why. We got some hard-ass topics. This one going to be hard right here. Mixtape era. Overrated, underrated. Underrated. Hell yeah. I say that shit all the time, bro. That shit was tough, bro. That was my life changing. You know what I'm saying? We're just doing mixtapes and working with artists. Like, it just opened doors because a lot of the artists that I work with on mixtapes, they weren't in big situations yet. You know what I mean? Like, I worked with Gunna before Gunna was Gunna. You know what I mean? To the world. Working with Thug before Thug was Thug to the world. You know what I mean? Like, working with... Chief Keith before Chief Keith was Chief Keith to the world and people shit like that, you know what I mean? Like it's 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 dope to work with artists from the ground up, you know, especially on that mixtape level. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Cause mixtapes was going viral. Mixtapes was everywhere, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Dude, every week you're hearing about a new nigga with a mixtape. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I thought that shit was fire, but a lot of these artists and now they're in bigger situations. And because you already built that rapport with them from the mixtape era, it's more less like, yo, I know you got some shit. Come on, let's keep working. You know what I mean, it's, yeah. more, it's like me and Guap. You know what I mean? Like, I know I could just give Guap beat any given time, any year, because we already established something from the mixtape era. You know what I'm saying? Like, I am not coming to him as a, some new producer. So let's talk about like working with an artist. A lot of times we do the interviews, we ask producers about it, and they say, yeah, you need to build up with an artist and stuff like that. And I see when I was going through your credits, like you have a lot of stuff for artists, like right before they pop when they was in that that working stage. But like, what is ways like? a producer could actually help promote an artist when you're building with them. You know what I'm saying? Like, ways you could help, you know what I'm saying? Like, help they brand besides just the beat. Like, what's other ways you could source with them? Mm, I think you definitely, like, shout-outs go big way. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's people that wasn't even signed to me or even attached to me, and I could just, like, a record, just post it, but, yo, this record fire. Now everybody going to that person page, checking out their record, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I think, like, Shout outs, mentions, and you know, videos. Mm-hmm. Videos could help, you know what I mean? Doing mm-hmm. videos together in the studio, type working together, type stuff, you know what I mean? Make us, you know what I mean? You want to paint that picture that you active, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Man, I ain't gonna count. Who, who started the wave of like producers being in music videos? Shit, might have been. Well, the only reason why I would say JD, like Jermaine Dupri, yes, because he was writing his artists and stuff yeah, and producing yeah. it and being cameos in the video. So I would say JD, mm-hmm. to my knowledge, but Diddy, he was, I think he was the first one to start dancing. <laughs> he was the first producer to be dancing in the videos. But nah, like, I think those two are the pioneers of that. But I think that's fire. 
producers being in the video with the artists. Hey, having that brand right there. That's yeah. huge. Yeah, like, you know what I mean? Like, there's people who sit on YouTube watching videos all day. Okay. You know what I mean? There ain't nothing. That cameo goes a long way, believe it or not. You know what I mean? Because people watch videos and they, they get familiar with faces. Okay. Yo, I seen you in that that video. Yeah, you know, it ain't be stuff like that. So definitely putting artists, I mean, and uh, artists putting producers in videos. That's that's mm -hmm. definitely huge. So what artists do y'all have right now that y'all working with or just, you know, on y'all team? Um, I think we all have our own. We all have our own separate artists, mm -hmm. all of us in the group. But, you know, I know we heavy with the, you know, Sizzle Rap. So he's like the main 808 Mafia artist. You know what I'm saying? He got an album coming out. Thanks. A lot of people don't even know that. Right, when is shit dropping, bro? Like, <laughs> come on, man. Things be waiting on, waiting on it, man. Come on. Man. I don't know. I don't know what this is waiting on. He on his Dr. Dre shit. You know what right. I mean? Well, taking years to put something out. But it be like that sometimes. Like, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes it ain't about, like, we need to drop songs. Like, you want to have that album, like, Astro World. Like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Perfection. Or something close to it. Yeah. Just go crazy. We went, listen, we used to go crazy. We used to drop Free Agent 1. We did Free Agent 2, Free Agent 3. Yeah, we did yeah, 4. Yeah. We did uh, Young Extravagant, nigga, that tape. We did a lot of tapes together. Like, So we, it's not like he can't pump out music, but at the end of the day, like, I know he wants to put out something that's going to make everybody be like, damn, this shit fire. Instead of, you know, yeah. you don't want people to, you don't put out an album, people like, oh, yeah, it was cool. Uh, yeah. You know, oh, that shit was trash. You know what I mean? You want people to be like, nah, that shit was fire. I, I see why he took so long. You got to do that shit, too, especially if you take long, because if you take too long, then you drop, niggas be like, damn, we done waited for this yeah, shit. That's the only thing. Yeah. Like, when you take too long and people are anticipating, the bar is going higher, hey. higher, and higher of expectation. And people will expect you to meet that bar of their expectation when you drop. So it's kind of like, you got to come with it. But Sizzle, yeah, he coming with the shits. You know, Pyrex, you know yeah. what I mean? We got G2. Um, I got my own artist. I got Eastico. I got Young Jizzle, OE Jizzle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we got we, we going crazy this year. You know what I'm saying? A couple situations and a lot of dope music. And as an artist, I mean, as a producer, you know, I, I, I stand firm on it that you got to break an artist. Got to. It's just, it's just one of those written rules. Mm. to be stamped, solidified as a producer. Gotta break an artist. And it doesn't even have to be an artist that is signed to you. It's just, it could be a new artist that's signed to a label that, you know, nobody really heard of or not like that. But the record you produce for them breaks them to the world. That's, you know, every. I think every producer needs that. And if, it, and if you're not breaking artists, you just gotta be a consistent heat, ma uh, heat maker, you know what I'm saying? Thanks, like, I feel like someone who killing that shit right now is Feather Rolling, ESTG. That relationship, them niggas going stupid, right? Every record, like, they just going. And you Forever Rolling, like, every record, bro. That shit hard. That's hard. Nah, shout out to them, for real. Shout out to actually all the producers out there doing their thing. Yeah. So many of them. So many of them. I love all of them, too. Like, mm -hmm. there's, there's nothing more satisfying to me than knowing that I was part of something that helped influence the young niggas coming up. You know what I'm saying? They tell me all the time, your OG, man, I grew up on your shit. Yeah, like, you know what I mean? Your shit hard. Like, that shit just made me happy because, like I said, I never even saw this as being a career and for the fact it turned into a career and then I had actually an effect on people, you know what I mean, through music. That's huge. So I already know the next generation is going to have the same effect. Okay. They're going to be, you know what I mean, changing people's lives with their music. So I'm, I'm here for it.
You know what I mean? I don't turn nobody down. I'm always listening for new producers, always listening and always looking to put people on game. I'm big on that. A lot of producers in this game, like they be, they could watch a nigga going through some real fucked up shit and not even want to help him. You know what I'm saying? Like they wouldn't put him on no game. Nigga might be in some shitty paperwork. Might not, he might just sit back and be like, damn, well, what it really is is a crab in the back, crab in the barrel effect. And it's mm -hmm. also like, you don't want to see another person do bit better than you or get bigger than you. So if they in a fucked up situation and your situation better, you're going to feel a little bit better because your situation better. Mm -hmm. But you don't, I don't see people saying like, yeah, my situation Gucci. I want him Gucci just like me. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's not too much of that. It's more or less like, well, shit, that's his problem. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I, that's never me. Like I tell producers all the time, you see me in the street, I don't care. Walmart, I don't care if we in motherfucking Foot Locker, Lennox. I don't care if I'm at a game. If you see me and you want to ask some advice, I'm going to give you advice. I'm not going to never too busy to put you on game mm -hmm. because there was things in this game I had to learn on myself. And I wish there was people I could have asked. You know what I'm saying? Like, but... It wasn't always there. So I always say, ain't nothing. How you gonna, you know, closed mouth don't get fed at the end of the day. So something you wanna know, you better ask. You know what I'm saying? Especially if the opportunity to ask is right there in front of you. Man, that's a strong statement right there. Closed mouth don't get fed. I ain't trying to leak too much about the Young Icy interview, but we was doing the joint with him. He was saying, like, bro, only reason why I got to talk to Future cause my brother said something. Like, can I take a pic of you, you feel me? Like, sometimes you just gotta speak in that moment, you feel me? Cause like I hate to go out there and five minutes later you're like, damn, I might never see this nigga again. Situation might never come again. I ain't say shit. Like that's the worst feeling in your stomach, bro. Like what could have been? You feel me? I keep it real. I will tell you a real story, and you know what I'm saying like, like there's a lot of artists I did work with, and there's a lot of artists I didn't work with. Right. So I mean, I'm sure I have records with Lil Baby that, you know, through certain channels just were produced and. They probably just haven't just really been released yet. But I have never really been on a one-on-one -on -one with him on a work-related level, you mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? But there was a time where I was with Moneybag Yo at a concert, and we backstage, and we chilling. Everybody chilling. I'm just, I remember I was on my phone just macking. Little baby just, he walks up, and he's just like right here, just literally standing next to me. And it was like, I was like between him and a girl. The girl was like right here, and he was right here. And they wasn't like communicating or I really wasn't even really paying attention. But what I realized in that moment was I sat there with my phone in my hand, while his little baby standing right next to me, and walk away without me saying motherfucking thing. You know what I'm saying? And it wasn't even about ego, because I I didn't feel like, yo, he should have known who I was. It was just close mouth, don't get fat. If I felt like me and him should be working, I should have said something. Yeah. I didn't say nothing. So because I didn't seize that opportunity, now I still have to go through other channels to get to mm -hmm. him instead of that direct. So that's why I say, like, a closed mouth don't get fed. Sometimes you just got to seize those those opportunities, those moments. You know what I mean? One of my boys saw Drake in the airport. Real story. Other people might have just been starstruck. Like, oh, shit, that's Drake. Probably just kept it moving. Probably seen Drake with mad security. Uh, he got too much security around him. I'm good. I'm not going to go over there. Nah, my boy was like, nah, I walked up on Drake. Like, yo, what's up? Yo, I made beats, da 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 They changed numbers. Now he's able to just text the beat to Drake. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's a real story. 
But that would have never happened if he didn't say nothing. If he didn't have the faith to walk up to him and be like, yo, this is just a real thing. Like, I ain't gonna cap, bro. Let's say if I see the baby somewhere. And, nah, bro. Hey, <laughs> hey, yo. I'm right here. I, I ain't coming up, nigga. <laughs> hey, I got beats. Nah, 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 nah. Stay up. I'm good. I got beats. <laughs> Fuck that, bro. They gave it a body slam. Nah, bro. Nah. He like, he like beats, nigga. I don't think they be on it like that. <laughs> <laughs> producer tries to get a little baby beat. But what you you won't go viral. You got yeah. beat up. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Producer got an ass beat. <laughs> <laughs> producer, grind? Oh, we got Tiz ass up on the ground, nigga. <laughs> Just be quick with it. You know what I mean? Don't be too drawn out. Yo, listen. I got beats. You got a number or email? That's it. Okay. Straight to the point. That's how it be with A&R's. Like, hey, I got beats. Just give me your email number and just go on about my business. Mm-hmm. And, hey, I just dropped the pack. and just dropped another pack. Another pack. Like, yeah. just keep it business. You feel me? But so let's talk about the tape area, bro. I really want to talk about this. So, like, best tape. Like, 808 Mafia, like, tape. When I say 808 Mafia tape, I mean, like, all the future tapes. Like, G Herbo tape. Like, top three. What would be your top three? 56 Nights. Okay. Okay. I'm try- I don't want to misquote the album, but I believe it was Diary of a Trap God 2, Gucci. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. I had that on repeat like crazy for me. And then um, I, I like the the Wizard, the Wizard album, My Future. Yeah, what's your top three? Future? I'm just saying like just... projects, 808 Mafia Associated Projects. 56, um, y'all did something with Monster. Yeah, yeah, Monster. I'm gonna change it to 56 Nights, which I already said, and yeah. Super Slimy. Super Slimy? Those are my time. When I hear Purple, when I think Purple Rain, I just think about that wiki. Uh, I think about these hidden folks just dancing. Nah, Purple Rain has some joints on there, so. But what was the one with DJ Esco, bro? That was. um. It's a blue. It's they dropped it during like the summer, yeah, black, with the alien cover. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Name on there. Yeah, that's like well, my top one, you feel me? That one. I feel like Swervo was so underrated with Southside. Oh, Swervo was yeah. fire. <laughs> was crazy. And then fire. Third one, bro. Thirty Sprite too. Thirty Sprite too. Thirty Sprite too. Yeah, that's a classic too. It's, yeah, that's, that's all the way up there. Though. That's just it. That's just, I don't know. This, I you mean, don't think so? No, I'm just saying. Like to just pick three is so many. It's so hard. I'm like saying, we on so many projects. Like saying. it's crazy. Yeah, you can't really pick three. I, I need four. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah, it's like. Cause I like you over here mentioning like Evo. Evo was actually fire to me. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, yeah, Evo done hard, bro. They got one joint. What's the like fly, fly shit only? Yeah, fly yeah. shit only. Yeah, that was crazy. I think that was Sizzle and Spence who did that. Shout out to Spence. I mean, I, you know what's crazy? I like the um, Demons Are Us. Bro, that's what I was gonna say. That's when I, Demons that's, Are that's Us. Like, yeah. The boy in Southside. That yeah, project that was crazy. I'm dumb as fuck I, mean, I, 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 I was, shit, I was running that whole project through. Yeah. Like. Yesterday with Chippy Red, stupid, nigga. Yeah. Stupid. Yeah, Hell yeah. And I like the project out there with Currency, to be honest with you. I wanted to I talk about that, bro. I wanted to talk about that. Currency, Spring Clean. I need to hear that. What's your favorite record from there? It'll probably be the intro song. How you link up with Currency on that? I'm one of the people who go through my, my beats, mm-hmm. and I just like, 
damn, this sound like a beat that which McCall it will get on. You know what I'm saying? I think that's what it was for me. It was like probably came across like three or four beats. I was just like, I could hear currency on these joints. Yeah. I just DM'd them. I was like, yo, bro, we gotta work. You know what I'm saying? And it was just literally mutual. It was just, oh hell yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, hell yeah, this work. So we started working on that project and um it took like almost two years to complete. Back and forth, emailing and everything. And then uh, we wanted to get in the studio and get everybody, you know, like visuals of, you know, us creating, but COVID hit like was that twenty twenty? Like beginning mm -hmm. of twenty twenty, end of nineteen. And um we really couldn't get in the studio, but I mean, it was still a solid project. You know what I'm saying? Currently working on the next one right now. So, I mean, but that's my dog. Bumped into him a couple times at the Louis store. <laughs> that's my dog. But um, I just think, like, a lot of people didn't know what to expect when they heard that album. I guess they thought he was going to be rapping on, like, a bunch of trap beats and stuff like that. But I think people forget, like, I'm from New York, so I don't make just trap beats. I make yeah. all types of stuff. You know what I mean? So I, I gave him a variety of different vibes on there. Man, niggas just flex. Like he said, don't forget I'm from New York, nigga. We got to uh, do that shit for real. <laughs> nah, <laughs> nah, 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 not that. <laughs> it's just that, you know, the minute you say you're from the South or, you know, you produce with certain artists from the South, they just throw you in a box. Right. You know yeah, what yeah. I mean? I hate trapping. that. I hate the box, man. Yeah, trapping How you feel about, like, New York drill? Like, you into it? Yeah. I fuck with the drill. You do? Yeah, that's cool. I'm just diving into that shit, bro. I, I like it. Um... I guess um, I know that that sound was more like a London thing. Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like, sure. I knew, like, I used to listen to Skepta and stuff like that. Like, I knew that's, it was on, on that vibe. But for New York, I think it's, it's actually good for New York because there was a time when New York was just quiet, man. I keep it real. And anybody from New York, if you were a real New Yorker, you know it got quiet. Like, we didn't have nothing. Like, not saying nothing, but we didn't have too much. You know what I mean? Like, the South was just pumping it out. You know what I mean? Like, there was artists coming out from everywhere but New York. You know what I mean? New York was just recycling the same names. Mm -hmm. We didn't have a sound no more. New York started trying to get on the trap shit. New York used to have a sound. But then, you know what I'm saying? It was more or less like, damn, South killer. We jump on A-Wave type. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? But the drills... The drill part of the New York thing, I think it's dope because it's kind of giving us our own little sound. Even though it's not, like like I said, it's not originally our sound, but I think New York adopted it and embodied mm -hmm. it so much that you look at it as a New York thing. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like back when drill was just drill music, you just look really? at it as Chicago. That's Chicago exactly. thing. They do drill music, you know what I'm saying? But and now everybody do drill music, but now there's a type of drill music. Now there's types UK. of drill yeah, there's tights. So, all these subtitles now, it's just like, cool, we got one. But I think it's just dope because you're not hearing people in Atlanta do that. You know what I'm saying? You're not hearing people in LA do that. So, with that being said, I like the fact that we have something that we could just hold on to. Like, nah, we got this thing. We cool. We you know what I mean? How you feel about like the A Boogie, Lil TJ sound for New York, the melodic sound? I, I think it's that. cool. Melodic, like your melody is the key to music, man. Yeah, melody is everything, man. I love melody. Like, like I say, even as a drummer, you know, drums move, make you move, make you want to. 
with melody, man. That shit speaks to your brain. That shit speaks to your soul. Like, so I feel like when you're singing, you, you're basically doing something that you're potentially trying to capture the ears of a lot of people with melody. Because melody, you got to think, that resonates with people more than a drum would. Fact. Little kids could hum something. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Old old folks could hum something. Fact. You know what I'm saying? Animal birds. Exactly. Yeah. Everybody not going to understand the boom, boom, boom and the 808. Mm. When you come with something to sing. That's facts. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, I feel like that's definitely a good factor to add into your music. So mm. being melodic, that's not a bad thing. Shit, 50 was melodic. Ja Rule was melodic. These niggas right. made millions. They made more money than all the niggas that wasn't melodic. You can't, it's yeah. apples and oranges. You can't even compare it. <laughs> uh, a rapper who's just that's straight that, rapping yeah. compared to dudes who are being melodic Ooh. can't even compare it to that melody gonna kill you every time it's big game it's big game shout out Fuse once again yes sir so I got some producer questions here from IG I'm trying to go through them yeah one person said um, what's your favorite place to work at and why Atlanta LA to just work if we're just talking about work I would say Miami but if we had to just choose between Atlanta or LA, I would say LA, cause it's similar to Miami vibes, palm trees, you know. So Miami music scene deep like that, like that shit. I never been, bro. Well, it's not even about music scene. He, like when I look at work, when people say, "Yo, where you like to work?" or when it comes to work, I look at it as me sitting down in front of that computer making beats. That's a part of my work, you know what I'm saying? So I look at it like if I'm gonna just go somewhere where I less distractions, more scenic, mm-hmm. different vibe. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm going to work somewhere else. You know what I mean? Like, home is where my heart is at, but this is where I come and get the work off. You feel me? I work everywhere else, create, and everything I created, I come here and dump it off. You feel me? Because this is pretty much the melting pot of all the hot shit. Atlanta right here, you know what I'm saying? So that's just, if I had to choose between two, I'll say L.A. As you see, L.A. on the hat. I ain't gonna lie, I just been out of L.A. We just came from L.A. on my second time. First time was in August. I fought with the vibe. Like, the studio's hard out there. L.A. is beautiful, man. The people, the vibe, the culture. I feel like the quality a little more top tier. Like, just like the engineering gym, shit like that. You feel me? So it's so close to, like, the movie industry. You know what I'm saying? I'm down in like L.A. is just pretty-ass city, but it's dirty as hell. They got a lot of... You be like... It's like night and day sometimes. You be walking, it's like, damn, this crazy. And it's like, what the hell? Yeah, the homeless, the homelessness. I mean, I wish, you know, whenever they figure that out, if they ever figure that out, I think it will make L.A. way more appealing. But I think that's pretty much the only flaw. When I'm in L.A., I mean, I'll be like, damn, there's there's too much homelessness. There's homelessness everywhere, but, you know, out there, they got, like, strips. different. Just homeless people. I feel like they'd be higher out there. Yeah, it'd be crazy, but man, that's my favorite, one of my favorite cities. Beautiful. Yeah, I grew up, like, you know, growing up from New York and being young and watching Tupac and Biggie and watching them beef and thinking that L.A. was just off limits. You know what I mean? Like, because you're just from New York. So I was like, nah, I'm from New York. Fuck, I ain't going to L.A., you know what I mean? But that is the most ignorant thing a person from a state that you don't own could adopt. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to travel. You got to experience different things. And I swear, when I got to L.A., it was like I was home for real. I felt like I was home. Like, I felt like everything about me was L.A. You know what I mean? And then, I don't know. I would live there, but, whew. 
Ooh-wee. I don't care how much money I make. Ooh-wee. That shit expensive in here. Very new cup. Next producer question. Um, person X talk about the Rick Ross record. Which one? I guess you could talk about um back back the block. About back the yeah. block. Um, I went to his crib. I went to Rick Ross crib. Um, nigga said that shit casually. Like y'all just pulled up. And he said pull up. <laughs> yeah, I was at the crib and uh, just play some beats uh, for that for that particular song. Just play some beats and um, I think. Who hit me up? I think it was my boy E-Mix. He was engineering for uh, Rick Ross at the time. Hit me up for the trackouts. And uh, he was like, yo, this joint. But I didn't know it was going to be a single. Mm-hmm. And then it came out, it turned out to be a single. And then he shot the video. And I was like, damn, like a little mini movie to the video and all that. So I was like, this shit hard. So yeah, I like what that turned out to be. Then he did a remix to it. And uh, he had uh, Fat Joe on there. He had Bun, no, not Bun, he had, uh, what's his name? He had Nipsey on there, mm-hmm. Slim Thug on there, and uh, E-40. Yeah, he has all of them on the remix, so. I shout out, I, I, I really appreciate that record because those are like four artists <coughs> I probably wouldn't have worked with. You know what yes. I'm saying? Like, maybe Nipsey, if I was in LA working more actively around that time, but I was really stationed out here, but you know, Slim Thug, that's a Texas nigga. Fat Joe, he in Miami. Then you got, what, E-40? I forgot where he's from. But, mm-hmm. like, these dudes are, like, mm-hmm. not even tangible for me right now. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I look at it like that's a dope, some dope names to add to my resume. You know what I'm saying? Because of a record like that. So shout out to that Buy Back the Block record. What would you say is, like, your favorite record? Like, your favorite record that you just did, you know, the process, or you just like it because of the song? Like, what's your favorite? The favorite... Sounding like the one I would say just the just the way like it sounds. Mm-hmm. Just you know, just the cause I remember when I made the beat and then to hear somebody rap on the beat. Just that effect, I would say it'll be um Breadwinners by Young Thug. Really? I would say that song, cause that beat was just so erratic and, and weird. I was just trying mad different stuff and I was like, oh, they picked it. You know what I mean? Like one of those things. Like, damn, I didn't think they would use that. Cool. So, but my favorite record out of my whole catalog, it would have to be like Big Sean Moves. The only reason I say that is because that was like legit my life changer. That was my life changer. Like I had records that came out that did stuff for me, opened some doors here and there. But that Big Sean, man, that moves, that shit opens so many doors. I ain't gonna count, bro. When that came out, I was like, man, what is this? Yeah. That's how you vibe into that shit, It's so crazy because Southside rapped on that beat. He did? He did did a song called Winning Three. He had a song. He he put it out, too. He had a song called Winning Three. It'd be so funny because, like, when Big Sean just dropped moves and we, like, me and Trey Pounds would post it because, you know, he co-produced it with me and, like, We'll be posting it and people be in the comments like, yo, Southside winning three better. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, damn, like, you know what I mean? I remember I think Trey Pounds got up with uh, Big Sean at one time and Trey Pounds was telling me like, he, he, you know what I'm saying? He knew that Big Sean knew about the record and how people be, yeah, like people be spamming him with the same shit. Like, yo, Southside shit better. Like, come on, what's that about? You know what I'm saying? But it was all love still at the end of the day. But I would say, that record because that changed my life and Trey Pound's life. I ain't gonna count, bro. G Herbo, 100 Day, 100 Night, nigga. That shit was the one with me, bro. Like, yeah, you did your homework, man. That's, that's, 
That's, that's, he, you know that record? That be his nigga. I would say, I don't know, man. I love that record. The only thing I hate about that record, like I hate to say it, I just wish I was there for the in mixing. Like, mm. ain't nothing worse than like Ooh. when the record come out and it's just not mixed right. Yeah, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. You talking about the beat? It changed the beat? Nah, just like his vocals. Mm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it sound like it just wasn't mixed right. Hey, when that shit sound like a little box, like, you know. Yeah, it sound like he in the, like, you know, in like a bathroom or like recording it somewhere other than a booth. You know what I'm saying? That's what it sounded like, but. I, the record, what he's saying, everything is fire, but I'm just so particular. I'm such a, yeah. I nitpick everything. You know what I'm saying? Like, the whole world could love it. I'll find that one thing to make me not love it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's cool, but that thing, like, that's just how I am. But I'm more like that with my own stuff, not like other people's material, but my stuff, you know? I'm like, yeah, the snare could have been louder, man. I wish I was there when they mixed it. It'd be the little things like that, so. I mean, last question to really top it off is, when these vlogs coming back, bro. We were talking about this shit before the interview started. I was like, bro, when them vlogs, Black Metaphor vlogs, you feel me? When them shit's coming back, bro. So I've been trying to, like, do so many at the behind-the-scenes type shit. So it's more or less like, you know, we used to have the 808 Mafia TV. That was mm -hmm. huge for us. We fell back off of that. But we have so much footage throughout the years of us just working and everything like that. Like, I remember I was chilling with the cameraman, Chaps. And I'm like, yo, bro, what, what are we doing? But he's more or less like, man, fuck that. Let's just do the documentary. Because when I say years, I'm talking about years of footage that y'all just never seen. So I just like, all right. So kind of thinking like for the A-Way Mafia, we should do that like documentary-wise instead of just going back to the A-Way Mafia TV series. But for me, I know I get it all the time. Like, yo, we need some cook-up videos, more cook-up videos. Yeah. Like... I know I haven't been that active. I apologize, you know what I'm saying, to the producer community. I've uh, been hearing it behind the scenes, getting all the backlash from all my peers. Yo, you got to be active, man. We trying to see more videos. So I ain't even going to lie. Like, this year, you're going to see a lot more of it. I'm not even going to cap. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just in a new headspace. A lot of good things has just been happening, mm -hmm. you know, outside of producing just, you know, the management company and the creative companies that we got. It's just, everything is just falling into place. So now I don't have to just, you know, be worrying about too many other things outside of my brand. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like, I understand I'm all for the A-Way Mafia brand. I'm the vice president at the end of the day, A-Way Mafia over everything. But Fuse is a brand too. And I I understand that, you know, I definitely have to be more active out there. And salute to all the producers that are active because y'all don't even know it, but Y'all influencing me. Y'all motivating me to be more active. You know what I'm saying? I love watching y'all cook up little tips, you know what I mean, on how to do certain things or if y'all presenting y'all kits. And, you know, I'm, I watch all of that stuff, you know what I mean? Like, I, I salute, take my hat off to all of y'all because even when I was coming up, I didn't do it. You know what I'm saying? I felt like I, if I would have did it, a lot of other things could have been happening for me this present day if I just would have been more social. Cause a lot of people don't think I'm social because I'm not big on social media and I don't have, you know, a bunch of YouTube and a bunch of videos everywhere. So they think like, I don't fuck with people like that, but I do. I just be so busy, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think it's cliche to say you're busy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I've been busy, I'm busy, but your boy really been busy, you yeah, feel me? Exactly. So it's just, like I, I, if I, 
I look at it like this. If it's on my plate, that means I can handle it. But shit, I mean, that's a wrap, bro. Like I said, this was a long ass overdue interview, bro. Yeah, you definitely got to come back, yeah. You yeah, know what I'm yeah. saying? Do Probably this like again. Cook up, got, um, get some in, you feel me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You already know we locked in, so. Shit, that's a bet then. That's a wrap. Another podcast, we gone. Peace.